take our Bibles and turn immediately to John chapter 16. I'm going to let you remain seated for the reading of God's Word. John 16, we're on our fourth message in regards to seeing the spirit world. And our premise is simply that the spiritual world, the unseen world, is, is permanent and uh, it's real. And the temporal world, uh, the material world, is, is temporal, of course, and it'll pass away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God will abide forever, of course. And we're on, we've looked at, uh, our first message was a few weeks ago, of course, and we looked at the original spirit who was none other than God himself. And then we looked at two messages in regards to the, the greatest created being. Uh, and, of course, it's a, it's an, a conundrum to when we think, consider Satan or Lucifer. Uh, and we saw his deceit, deceitful tricks, of course, uh, how he deceives and uh, despises us and wants to destroy us last Wednesday night. Tonight we want to deal with, a, just have a Bible study in regards to the Holy Spirit of God. Follow along with me as I read. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 7 of John 16. These are the words that Jesus said to his disciples the night of his betrayal. Uh, you say your most important words usually when you know you're about ready to to die. Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross and so he wanted to Tell us about the Holy Spirit of God. Nevertheless, John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, notice capital C there, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he, that's the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. That's Satan, of course. And I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them. Now, verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Now, let me just interject here. The spirit of truth, the spirit of God, had not been given to Man, this is a different dispensation here. This is, uh, uh, we're, getting, we're going to get to the cross of Christ and we're going to, going to get to Pentecost 50 days later, of course, and, and then the get, coming of the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus is making this prophecy that the Holy Spirit will come, verse number 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He's the revealer of things to come. He shall glorify me, Jesus said, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. We're going to look at this Holy Spirit tonight here. We're going to just, uh, just scratch the proverbial tip of the iceberg in regards to three questions in regards to the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to try to be very on purpose, uh, first base fundamental Christianity, 101 Christianity tonight here. We're going to ask three questions. Who is the Holy Spirit uh, to begin with here tonight here? And let's look at uh, who is the Holy Spirit. He is God's agent of power. He's God's agent of power. We see him in his God's agent of power in creation. Quote with me, John 1, or Genesis 1.1. Ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And verse number two says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. So the Bible says in Genesis 1-1 that God created the heaven and the earth. 
And then it says in verse number three, or verse number two rather, that the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. I've said, we said just in recent messages that we see in the beginning God, it's Elohim in the Hebrew language, it's plural. And, uh, but God is singular, of course, and uh, greatest mystery of God is God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was manifested in the flesh. He's the Son of God. We're going to find out that, that the Spirit of God is, is uh, also, of course, God. Obviously, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, so he's, he's, he's God's agent of power in creation. In John 1.1, 1, 1, try to quote John 1.1 1, 1 with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God, verse 2, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so the Bible gives credit to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word, for making the world. But in Genesis 1-2, he gives credit to the Holy, Holy Spirit. Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all had something to do with the creation, of course, obviously. But he's God's agent of power in creation. Then, not only that, in, in the incarnation... For time's sake, let me go right to Luke 1.35. We could start in verse 28, but for time's sake, we'll just go right to the last verse. The angel came and said unto her, unto Mary, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And so he's the agent of power. He, of course... Uh, came in, we have the incarnation of Mary, the Virgin Mary, of course, and, and, uh, and, and, and empowered by the Holy Ghost to have, of course, the Christ child, obviously, the God-man, as we call him. And then, thirdly, in addressing the question, who is the Holy Spirit? He's God's power, God's agent of power in creation and in the incarnation, but in the empowerment of Christ. Now, when Christ walked the earth, and this is another, one of the many mysteries in the Bible, Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. Let me just read it to you for time's sake. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus was reading from Isaiah. He was in the synagogue when he was reading this. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Lord did his earthly ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If the Lord Jesus Christ needed the power of the Holy Spirit of God, how much more do we need the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, of course? And so that leads us to the fourth uh, sub-point here. This Holy Spirit is God's agent of power in, in the empowerment to witness. In the empowerment to witness. We can't, uh, salvation is not of man, it's not of the will of the flesh. When I share the gospel with somebody, when you share the gospel with somebody, don't you want them to be saved? I always want them to be saved. Brother Dave, uh, he's on the streets of Hartford, uh, been doing that for years, of course, and 20, 25 times a year, however many times he goes, and he mentioned about witnessing to a Muslim guy uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, St. Patrick's Day, maybe, I guess it was, and I guess he was rebuffed, probably, I suppose, but, you know, tried to give him a track, and uh, uh, Brother Dave's not a salesman when he's out there trying to tell somebody about the Lord, because we're just the messenger boys. It's God that does the saving, the Holy Spirit of God that does the convicting, of course. But we, we are called to witness. And the Lord said in Matthew 28 and 18, All power is given unto me, Jesus said. Go ye therefore. And then we get to Acts 1.8. That's a very famous verse that every Christian should know. Jesus, before he ascended up in glory, said, And ye shall receive power 
after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we see that the Holy Ghost comes in Acts chapter 2 at the Pentecost, of course, and we see sometimes it's called the birthday of the church. And uh, uh, So we had this empowerment uh, given by the Holy Spirit of God to witness. And then, uh, secondly, your letter, letter uh, or B on your worksheet here, uh, what else about the Holy Spirit of God? He is he's the third person of the Trinity. Therefore, if he's the third person of the Trinity, he is who? He's God. And the uh, Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, it's not in your worksheet, but greatest mystery of godliness, God was manifested in the flesh. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the mystery of the Godhead. Um, again, Brother Dave was doing this in his Sunday school class just recently, about the three times we find the word Godhead in the Bible. And we see this, uh, that this trinity of God uh, asking the question, when, when, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? Uh, or no, letter, letter C. Uh, I'm confused here. I got, I got side. Oh, uh, he is the third person of the Trinity, therefore he's God. And oh, I ask you to consider John 10.30. I'm sorry, I got, a, I got misplaced on my notes here. John 30, Jesus 10.30, he says, I and my Father are one. Let's go to John chapter 14. If you're in John chapter 15, it's just obviously a page away probably. John 14 and verse number 17. Look what the Bible says there. Speaking about we're trying to prove the point that the Holy Spirit is God, God as well. He's the third person of the Trinity. Verse number 17 of chapter 14. For the, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye, sh- ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, notice the future tense, and shall be in you. Once again, so you understand, there's nobody that received the Holy Spirit of God permanently until after the cross of Calvary, after Christ died on the cross, after he was buried and rose again the third day, and then Pentecost came. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, he gave gifts unto men, and he gave, among other things, he gave the first gift, the gift giver in the Holy Spirit of God that came to live, with, live within our, in our being here, of course. And so um, I want you to consider Acts chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4. I'm already looking at that clock. I got a lot of material I'd like to cover tonight here. So, and let me just paraphrase Acts 5, 3, and 4. That's the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the early New Testament church, of course. And it says in Acts 5, 3 that Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? And remember, he, he lied about how much money he gave to the church is what happened. But uh, he lied, the Bible says he lied to the Holy Ghost. If you're looking at Acts 5 in your Bible, verse number 4, he says at the last part of the verse, Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And so we see that the Holy, Holy Spirit of God is, he's not only the, the third person of the Trinity, but of course he is God himself. And so we see this, he is God. Letter C on the worksheet, he is who is this Holy Spirit of God? He is God living in believers. And uh, he comes and dwells with us. One verse, there are many verses we could use, but Romans 8, verse number 9. 
But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you're not a Christian. Now, uh, let me just run a sidebar here, just to upperclassmen uh, talk so you understand. It's not so prevalent as it used to be, but it used to be many Pentecostal churches used to call themselves full gospel churches. They still use that phrase. The full gospel in their mind is you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost along with receiving Christ as Savior, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and you're able to speak in tongues, quite frankly, and uh, other languages. There are some Pentecostals, very few, but there are some in the Assembly of God movement and the Pentecostal Churches of God movement that, that believe that you're not truly saved if you can't speak in tongues. Well, I'm, I'm out of luck here because I barely can speak in my own English tongue, let alone any other tongues. And, uh, and, uh, but that's a... That's a uh, 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 I can't. I, I have the word. I don't want to say the word. It's. It's not a bad word. I'm going to say it. It's the word bastardization of the word. It's. It's. Uh, uh, of, of the doctrine here. When we receive Christ as our Savior, the Bible says in Him. That's in. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I can see. But Colossians two nine. In Him. That's in Jesus Christ. Dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you get Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go to number two here. When do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, I've already said it already. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. So you, need, you receive the Holy Spirit at the new birth, at being born again, being saved. That's when you receive the Spirit of God. And I've already quoted Colossians 2, 9. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So you don't have, we have several verses that we could go to that to buttress this truth. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Spirit. And you don't get the Father uh, by not receiving the Son. John 5 tells us that. 23 and 24, I believe it is. You don't get the Holy Spirit by not receiving. You, you must receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've got to be born again and saved by calling upon the Lord Jesus to save you. When you do that, and trust his finished work in the death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, you get not only the, the Son of God, but you get God the Holy Spirit, and you get God the Father as well. And so um, he, we receive him at the new birth. Uh, letter B on the worksheet, I think you can fill this in without even looking at the verses. Many of you could do this, I'm sure. For how long do you get the, the Holy Spirit? For how long? When you, when, you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, how long does he stay with you? Forever. Forever. In John 14, if you're still there, John 14, verse number, let me rest my voice for a second. Somebody read verses 16 and 17 for us. John 14, 16 and 17, please. Nice and loud. Go, go, go ahead. Hey, thank you. Uh, I, I like, uh, you see, the name Comforter. This is just a fun one. I'd like to share this little sidebar. It's named for the Holy Spirit of God. It's the word parakletos. And, uh, you know, if you jump out of an airplane at 30,000 feet and you expect to live, you better have a parachute on you or you're not going to live. 
And what's going to save you is the parachute. And uh, if you're going to ha have the Spirit of God in you, or you're going to live forever, you need to have the parakletos, the one to come alongside of you and be with you forever. He's a comforter, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says but he may abide with you forever. And so um, Ephesians 1.13 and Ephesians 4.30 talks about being sealed by the Holy Spirit of God unto the day of redemption, or the Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption, of course. And we're sealed by that spirit of promise. We can never lose his, his sealing. We can quench his spirit. That's another story. But we cannot lose the spirit. He abides with us forever. John 14, 16 is our text verse. Then, when do we receive the Holy Spirit? When? At the new birth? How long? Forever? And then let her... Uh, well, let's read the verse first of all. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Uh, somebody read that for us, please, rather than me read it. Six nineteen and 20. So, nice and loud. Go ahead, Brother Dave. God's living in you. So we become his temple. God lives inside of us. Uh, that's, uh, that's humbling. Is in, uh, you think, think about the fact that we're indwelt by God Almighty himself. He's a personal God, and we have the Holy Spirit of God in us. Then uh, what does the Holy Spirit do? Just four sub-points here. And first of all, he's our comforter, but uh, the fill-in-blank word is in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, I didn't write the verse down, but the natural man, I quote it all the time, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, you come to the house of God on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday, whenever you come, every, hopefully every time you come, and the Spirit of God, if you're a child of God, you, you want to hear the teaching of God's word. You want to hear what thus saith the Lord. You want to, and it speaks to your spirit. If uh, you come to the house of God time and time again and it does nothing for you, that's a pretty good indication you don't have the spirit of God in you, of course, and uh, that you've never been born again. Some people have, the natural man doesn't have received the things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. And so he teaches us, if you're still in John chapter 14, look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. I'll be a little elusive on purpose, but we preached three weeks of prophecy messages on Sunday morning. Uh, I felt led to do that by the Spirit of God, uh, but I knew it's a little dangerous to do that. We had some... Folks here that uh, just first-timers, second-timers in church service, and they heard some strange, strange stuff. And uh, it might have been too hard, hard, strong meat for them. I'm, that's my guess. I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but I, I think that's my guesstimation. They don't have the Spirit of God in them. And uh, I don't want to sound arrogant, and I could be... Uh, I'm not a prophet, but I do believe that... that uh, God's given me wisdom in regards to understanding his Bible that there's a coming rapture, coming day of the Lord. There's a lot of people that don't even believe that Christ is coming back at all, ever. There's a lot of Christians that don't, don't believe that, but he, the Spirit of God teaches us and guides us in all truth. And so that's the truth that's very obvious to me through the Word of God, of course, and through the Holy Spirit of God that, that teaches us. And so he teaches us, or he, he gives us his doctrine uh, for, for time's sake here. Let's go on to... Number two, I've already quoted Acts 1.8. 
you sure you see power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Somebody read uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Let's all turn to Acts 4. And somebody get Acts 10, 38 for us, please. Somebody give me a hand. Somebody get that word. Lady, Sonny, get 10, 10, 38. And everybody else, let's go to Acts chapter 4, 31 here in just a minute here. But he empowers us. What does the Holy Spirit of God do? He, he enables us or he empowers us. Uh, Acts 10, 38, please, Sonny. Okay, Jesus was anointed. Jesus did his earthly work. I submit to you that he took upon himself the form of a servant and he yielded himself to, he, did, he came to do the will of the Father, but he yielded himself to the Holy Spirit of God. And he did his work, his miracle work through the power of the Spirit of God. Not because he was, if you follow this, not because he was God. He was God and he could do anything being God, but he didn't do it as God himself. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He was filled with the Spirit. How much more again do we need to be filled with the Spirit? And here we see this early church in Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. And then for time's sake, go down to verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So we see this, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're also filled with his power, his anointing, his unction. And, and our words mean nothing, but God's words are the words that, of course, uh, uh, regenerate and save. Of course, and we need to have them empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And so he teaches us, he empowers us. Then let us see in the worksheet. If you're still, in, if you're back in John here, John 16, we read verses 7 through 14. Notice verse number 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. Now, this is the Holy Spirit of God. And in the context, verses 8, 9, and 10, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. He reproves the whole world, the lost sinners, of course, but there's an application. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, let me run this rabbit trail once. Uh, I was in court not too long ago, for the first time in several years, and uh, I was the cream puff judge. Most of these judges are cream puff, piece of cake to go in front of judges. Most judges today, if you do crime, you, you get off with a naughty, naughty slap on the hand. But... Uh, Anyhow, I was in court. I've given the story many times. So I was in the courtroom back in, a few years ago. In fact, it was in an infield courthouse. And I was in, uh, we were there in front of a real judge. And I'm going to tell you, there were about 200 people in that courtroom, 150 people in that courtroom, where the place was packed. And he, he bestowed the fear of God into everybody that was there. And uh, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, he came out with that black robe, that gavel came down. I wanted to scare you. Did I scare you? And... Uh, and uh, he, he, he was all business, and I mean business. And I, I'm so glad I didn't have to go in front of that guy to do, to, haven't done anything wrong. I would go in front of the honor, your honor. And uh, not sir, not mister, not you, hey man, no, your honor. 
and he was the real deal, and people were just, he had that courtroom quiet as a mouse uh, in no time at all. One day there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, 2 Corinthians 5.11. Let me give you the verse. What is the Holy Spirit of God? He convicts us. He convicts us. He's, he's, we, we don't fear him in shaking and quaking. We fear him in reverence for sure. He teaches us. He empowers us. He, he convicts us. And uh, number four in three subpoints, Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. Look what it says here in Romans 8, 14. But as many, well, let me get there. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Do you have the comforter of God, the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and life? Are you sensitive to the preaching of the Word of God? Are you sensitive to, towards how you live? And he, he not only does he teach us, he empowers us, letter C, he convicts us, but letter D, he leads us. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, O blessed thought, of words of glorious comfort, uh, throat. Uh, I'm trying to quote the song. But uh, he leads us three ways. First of all, the most obvious way he leads us through, Psalm 105, 119, 105 will suffice. Thy word have I hidden, or rather, uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And uh, is that Psalm 119, 105? I, I I'm looking at Brother Dave. He knows that. I, 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 I'm thinking of, thinking of verse 11, but you, it, is, it is. That's right. And uh, he leads us through the scriptures, fill in the blank word. He leads us through the word of God. And uh, that's our number one guide. God will never lead you contrary to the word of God. The Holy Spirit of God will never lead you to do something contrary to God's word. And uh, so he leads us through his word. Then secondly, and I want you to turn to these verses. Turn, turn to Galatians. Let me, somebody read Luke 4, 1 for us. Somebody get that for us, please. We just have moments here. Luke 1, 4, 1. Somebody get that for us, please. Don't everybody jump at once. Somebody help me out. Sister Diane, can you get that for us, please? Luke 4, 1. Now, think about this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, if you're in Galatians 5 now, and look at verse number, as soon as I get there, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the, spe- the, lust of the flesh. Verse number 25, same chapter. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so uh, he leads us not only through the Scriptures, but he leads us through spiritual, we could have put walking, but I used the word impressions. He leads us through spiritual, he leads us. He led, the, he led and he, he spoke to Samuel as a boy in a still small voice. And he, he came to Elijah, not in an earthquake, not in the fire, but he came again in a, Still small voice, of course, and you got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. You got to have the Word of God in your heart, and He teaches us through, first through His Word, but then we're, we're led through spiritual impressions. Anybody ever have the Spirit of God impress upon you? Is it give that person a track, a gospel track, for example, or talk to that person about the Lord, or or you need to stop and do this, or do something, and 
uh, or uh, the Spirit of God leading you. Then lastly, let's go to Romans chapter 8 here, and we'll finish up with this tonight. And this is by no means uh, exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, again, we're just scratching the proverbial tip of the iceberg of the of what the Holy Spirit does. He teaches us, he empowers us, he convicts us, he leads us through the scriptures, through spiritual impressions. But then Romans 8, verses 4 to 6, notice what it says. It says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. How do you walk, by the way? You walk by after your flesh or after, your, after the spirit of God that dwells in you? For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we see this. Uh, uh, he leads us through inner Holy Spirit peace. This peace said, of course, uh, Philippians 4 7, it says 4 8 in your worksheet, that's a misprint. My, my, my apologies, it should be 4 7. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. And one more verse in John, John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the, the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He's our Comforter. He's our, he's our, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And there's the Comforter that gives us peace, that peace that we know his will. This is a... I think more than a theory in my life. Uh, this is, I, I believe, it's a, it's a proverbial fact. I've been by the deathbed of many people that do not know the Lord as their Savior over the years. And I've been by the deathbed of people that know the Savior as their Lord as their Savior when they're dying. There's almost always a world of difference. There's a peace that passes understanding for those, that person that knows Christ as their Savior. But there's a... Uh, there's an uncertainty and a question mark and a puzzling in regards to those people that don't know Christ as their Savior. And so we see the three basic questions. Who is the Holy Spirit of God? Well, when do we receive him? And what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches us, empowers us, convicts us, and leads us through the Scriptures, through spiritual impression, and through Holy Spirit inner peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray tonight, dear God, that you would be with your people. Lord, my assumption is that, Father, everybody in this room tonight is a child of God, has been saved. I believe everybody here gives testimony of that fact. Lord, so we're your children tonight, so we have your spirit, and we thank you for that. Help us to walk in the spirit, not after the flesh. Help us to be mindful that you're with us all, all the time. And, Lord, uh, that you'll never leave us nor forsake sake us. And so dismiss us thy blessing tonight, we pray, and blessing the last moments together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing the comforters come. Just one verse of the comforters come. I should have got the page for the number ready.